Numbers chapter 27, verse 1. Then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Macher, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. They're from the tribe of Manasseh, and these are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hagla, and Milcah, and Tirzah. This man, Zelophehad, only had daughters. He never had sons. And normally, the inheritance would go to the sons, and the Israelites are getting ready to inherit a whole lot of land. Because when they enter Canaan, God is going to give them Canaan, and it's going to be parsed out between the tribes and between the families and the households. But it'll be parceled out according to sons, not daughters. Two, and they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the princes and all the congregation at the door of the tent of meeting, saying, All of Israel is witnessing. Three, our father died in the wilderness, and he was not among the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. What they're saying is their father is just as good as everybody else's father, because he didn't die in the rebellion of Korah, he did die in his own sins, but all the fathers had died in their own sins in the wilderness. That was the original generation. These girls are of the new generation that weren't born when their father set out on his journey. Each of them is under 40 years old. Their father died just like the others who were from that first generation. 4. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family because he had no son? Give unto us a possession among the brethren of our father. What they're saying is, if only sons inherit parcels of land, then our father's name will end. There will be nothing for his line. 5. And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. 6. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 7. The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren, and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. God agrees with these girls, so it's okay to go to God and present to him your cause. You just have to accept whatever his answer is. And Moses didn't decide on his own. He went and asked the Lord, because there was no known law about giving land to daughters. So he didn't assume that he could figure it out on his own. He went to the Lord. God is still talking. 8. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son, then ye shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. 9. And if he have no daughter, then ye shall give his inheritance unto his brethren. 10. And if he have no brethren, then ye shall give his inheritance unto his father's brethren. 11. And if his father have no brethren, then ye shall give his inheritance unto his kinsman that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be unto the children of Israel a statue of judgment as the Lord commanded Moses. God is saying that it needs to go to somebody who was related to the band. But first you start out with a daughter, and then if you don't have the daughter, you go to a brother. If you don't have a brother, you go to his uncles, and then on down the line until you find anybody who is related to him who can take that land. And that way the land will stay in that family line. God doesn't want any of these families to lose their land. And isn't that beautiful that God cares so much about that? And we already saw that in the Law of the Jubilee year where everybody gets to return to their land. God commands that we keep what he gave us. 
whatever he's given you, he wants you to keep it. That includes spiritual gifts and other blessings. He doesn't want you to give things up and think, oh, it's not for me anymore. This also shows how important Canaan is, the land, which is going to become Israel. This land is God's land. And the reason he wants his people to keep possession of it is because that way it commemorates that it's his land. He doesn't want anybody else on the planet to have possession of that land. 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mountain of Abarim, and behold, the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. He says, I want you to climb the mountain Abarim so I can show you Canaan. Abarim means across the Jordan. When he's on the mountain, he can see what lies across the Jordan. And the Jordan River is what the Israelites are going to have to cross to get to Canaan. And they will have a miraculous crossing. But on Abiram, Moses can see the land beyond the Jordan. 13. And when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. God is saying, you're going to die after you've seen the land. 14. Because ye rebelled against my commandment in the wilderness of Zin, in the strife of the congregation, to sanctify me at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribath Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. This was when Moses struck the rock, when God told him to command the water to come out. He actually struck the rock instead and made the water come out that way. And he disobeyed God. And when it says here, to sanctify me, what it means in Hebrew is to show my holiness. When he refused to follow God's instructions, he was making it so that the people didn't realize how holy God is. Now, God still allowed the water to come out. But because Moses didn't show God's holiness in showing the people that the word of God is powerful and effective, he struck the rock instead of using the word of God. And so that's why he got punished. He, he couldn't go into Canaan because the people never learned what they were supposed to learn that day, which is that the word of God is holy and God is holy. 15. And Moses spoke unto the Lord, saying, 16. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, sit a man over the congregation. Moses is saying, if I'm going to die, they need a leader to take my place. 17. Who may go out before them, and who may come in before them, and who may lead them out, and who may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is spirit, and lay thy hand upon him. God agrees with Moses that they do need a leader to take Moses' place, and Joshua has been trained for years for this position. But more importantly, Joshua has the same faith that Moses has. Joshua believes everything that God says, and that's all that's required for faith, is that you simply believe everything that God says. There's many people, even, even Christians, who doubt the Word of God, and when you show them a Bible verse, they'll be like, no, I'm not sure if that's really true. But Joshua wasn't like that. He absolutely, wholeheartedly believed everything that God said. And if you are that way, if you wholeheartedly, 100% believe everything that God says, you are a person of great faith. That's it. It's that simple. And God will do mighty things in your life. 19. And set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. He's saying that the whole congregation needs to know that Joshua has been appointed to take your place. 
20, And thou shalt put of thy honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may hearken. I think that might mean that Joshua is going to get anointed. We'll have to see in the coming chapters. But in some way or other, the congregation will know beyond any doubt that Joshua is the appointed leader. 21. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. Now remember, the Urim and the Thurim are underneath the high priest's breastplate. Right now, the high priest is Eleazar. So he has a breastplate that he wears over the ephod, and on the front of the breastplate is all 12 stones, one representing each of the tribes of Israel. But behind, on the back side of the breastplate, are two pockets. There's a pocket on the left and a pocket on the right. I think the ermine is on the right and it means yes, and the thumen is on the left and it means no. Whenever they ask God, should we go to war? Is it your will for us to fight? God will tell them yes or no. And if he were to tell them no and they went out and fought anyway, believe me, they would lose miserably. But if he tells them yes and they go out to fight, they're going to win the battle. God decides the battle ahead of time, and that's true in your life too. God has already decided every battle you face ahead of time. He's already decided all your battles, so you don't have to worry about anything. I'm not sure what the Urim exactly was or what the Thummim was. It might have been stones. I'm not positive because everything else on the ephod was a stone. But whatever they were, they would light up according to God's word. The stones in the front that represented each tribe, they would also light up whenever God was telling the Israelites which tribes would go to battle or which tribes he wanted to call forward for whatever purpose then that tribe's stone would light up. When I was young, I never understood that God would answer questions. And this caused me to make a lot of mistakes in life because I didn't even know. No one told me that all I had to do was ask God and he would give me the answer. So I spent my life guessing. That ended up in a lot of disasters. So I want to tell you, God never expects us to guess. And he doesn't want us to guess. He wants us to come to him, just like you would come to a loving father, and ask him your question, and he will answer you. After I became born again, life was so much easier because I simply asked the father, does he want me to go to this party? Does he want me to talk to that person? Does he want me to sign up for this church ministry? I would simply ask him, and it was so simple. He gave me the answer. And when he said no, I'm like, okay, Father. And then I would just rest in his peace, and I didn't worry about it. And this saved me from so much trouble, because earlier, before I was born again, I would just guess, and then I'd end up falling on my face, or something would happen that wasn't a good outcome. He really wants you to ask about everything. And believe me, those Israelites asked him everything. You and I should totally be doing the same thing today. They will inquire of the Urim, all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. It will be Joshua's job, just like it has been Moses' job. It will become Joshua's job to ask the Lord questions on behalf of the people, and then God will answer from Eleazar's ephod. The answer will come. 22. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. 
23, And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge, as the Lord spoke by the hand of Moses. This is one example of laying hands on people. Now the New Testament tells us don't be hasty about who you lay hands on to pray for. You can lay hands on people who are sick and pray for their healing. And you can lay hands on a person when God is ordaining them for a certain service, but you have to be real sure that it is from God and that God is telling you to do that because you don't want to make it up on your own that somebody is anointed for a certain service when they're not. And you don't want to lay hands on somebody who isn't really humble before the Lord. There's one time I laid hands on a person to pray for him, and after I did it, I knew it was a mistake because that guy did not have the right spirit at all. He was lying. He didn't really want the Lord to heal him. He just wanted attention. Afterward, I simply asked God to forgive me, and there was no consequences because I admitted my mistake to the Lord, asked him to forgive me, and and that was it. We just need to be careful not to quickly lay hands on anyone and everyone. And that concludes Numbers chapter 27.